welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Matthew uh, 7, uh, verses 7 through 8, if you have that. Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 8. Word of God says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And to he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Heavenly Father, we love you for your word. We love you for your power and your presence, Lord Jesus. Have your way tonight according to your perfect will, Lord. And bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, thank you, thank you again for being here tonight. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened. What are you asking for? What are you seeking? Which door are you knocking on? It's very important that you understand that there's some parameters to that scripture. It's just you don't go up and start asking for everything. You don't just go knocking on every door. And you just don't seek everything. James, uh, I love the book of James, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be pretty humble when you get into the book of James and just start studying out the book of James because James, he just tells it like it is. He he doesn't like sugarcoat it. He doesn't try to get fancy with his words. He just tells you it's heaven or hell. It's yes or no. It's it is what it is. And. And James says in chapter 4, uh, 2 through 3, he says, ye, lo- ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have. It seems like we're kind of backwards from Matthew here. It's like it's the opposite day here when we start reading the Scripture. Ye kill and desire to have and, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war. Yet ye have not because you ask not. But, it says, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your own lust. See, so what James is talking about to the, to the people in the church is you're asking wrong. You're, you're asking according to your lusts, according to what you want, according to your desires and not the desires of God. You're, you're, asking, you're asking with the wrong motives. You're, you're asking with the wrong intention. And, and that's, why, that's why in Matthew 7, yeah, asking it shall be given. That that's kind of leads some people down the wrong path. Because they automatically think they can ask for anything and expect God to do it. And they think they can seek anything and expect to find it. And they expect to knock on any door and have any door open. Because that's what that says in Matthew. It says, you seek, you're going to find it. You knock, it's going to be open. How many of you have ever opened a door that you didn't want to open? Or how many people have opened a door that you didn't want them to open? It happens in life. We get, we, get, we get our own lusts involved. We get our own ambitions involved. We get our own desires in, involved. And we start knocking on doors that, that we probably shouldn't be knocking on. And we, we, we shouldn't be asking for things that we're asking for. And I not, I'm, I'm learning. I'm a slow learner. Uh, but I'm learning that I, I just need to let God be God. Especially on my job. Sister Cindy, that whole CEO position is not looking very fun right now. I need to stop seeking it. I need to stop knocking on that door, and I need to stop asking God for it. And I've done that. I don't want to go there no more. That it, it, money can't buy happiness. It, it can't buy happiness. But asking for things amiss is what gets us in trouble. Because there's sometimes where we will ask for something, Brother Guy, and, and God won't answer, so we'll open that door for ourselves. And we walk into the mess, <laughs> and we find what we were seeking. And then we look back and said, what a dummy I was to ask such a foolish question, to seek something so against God, and to force my way in a door that should not have been touched. 
So we've got to be very careful when, when we read the Bible and not take it out of context and think that God's just giving us a permit to do anything. We've got to make sure that we keep, we keep the Word of God in its whole. We keep the Word of God in its truth and not use it to, to, to chase after our lusts. So don't ask amiss, and don't, don't seek things you know the Word of God says not to seek, and don't go knocking on the doors you know you're not supposed to be knocking on. It's really important. I wish I had more young people in here, because this is a really good message for young people, because they'd they, they be knocking on doors that they had no business. Tay-Tay, no business. Thank you for being here. I mean, Olivia, I got some young people in here. Gabby's hiding. I got, all right, I got enough. There, there's, some, there's some questions as young people that, that you shouldn't ask other young people. There's some questions that you need to go to mama about. Vinny, there's questions you need to go to daddy about, not your peers. There's things, there's things young people, you, don't, you, you got no business seeking. You're at that age of vulnerability where, where you, you're in that limbo range of I can do what I want. And I can entertain myself with what I want. And I can seek the things that make me feel good. Nah. You're going to be very upset when the repercussions come back to what you just found. You don't, you don't want to be like, like uh, some people can testify in here today about, about the decisions they made, the things they sought after when they were young and in their teenage and early 20s. And they look back and said, man, I, I lost 10 years of my life. I, I missed out on, on, on being with my kids and seeing my kids raised because I was in jail. I, I missed out on being a part of a family because I was high. So you got to make sure as a young person that when you start to ask, you ask according to the Word of God. And I know some things in the Word of God, I, I was a young person, believe it or not, I was a teenager. And when I was a teenager, we didn't have cell phones. It's true, I'm telling you, there was not cell phones when I was a kid. Sister Olivia, the phones I grew up with were attached to a wall. And then my parents thought I might steal it, so they had a cord from the handset to the phone. Am I joking? Oh, your parents must have been the same way, thinking you'd steal that phone. That's why it's tied down. But, so I, I, I can understand a little bit where you're at as teenagers, because I was a teenager. But the part I do miss in your generation is your access to information it's there's too much there's too much information and and i can't understand that's why it's very important that when you get into that information mode that you're getting the right information because not everything out there in google is right not everything on wikipedia is correct not every teacher is teaching you for the best interest of yourself they are teaching you for an agenda i do not understand i do understand it's just we're, we're, it, there's wickedness in high places, so I understand that. The Bible tells us and then forewarns us, so it's not, a, it's not shocking. But you would think that at some point when you see the education numbers and the fact that 70% of people graduating are not proficient at math, reading, or writing of that age level. In fact, I read just yesterday in Chicago, not a, no, it's 22 schools. I don't know how many Chicago has, probably a lot because it's big. 22 schools had 0% students at a proficiency rate. Zero. So kids, go to mom and daddy. Go to the people that are looking out for your best interest. Seek the word of God. Get on your face and pray. You got the Holy Ghost. You have open access to God himself. So let's talk about what this asking and seeking and knocking is. And the title is Knock, Ask, and Seek. Now, you're going to think that's kind of backwards from what the Scripture says in verse 7. And you're absolutely right. And there's no real purpose for that other than I wanted to knock first, ask, and then seek. It's the only reason. So we're going to talk about knocking in Acts chapter 12, 13 through 16, we read about someone named Peter. If you remember the whole story, Peter was in prison, and, and the angel of the Lord came in and, 
and touched him and woke him up and all the uh, chains fell off and all the door, inner door prison, the doors of the inner prison opened up and the outer doors and then the gates opened up and he walked out. And I, I think it's amazing that after an angel takes the chains off of him, kicks him and says, get up, and then has to tell him to get dressed, and then gets out to the outer side of the jail before he realizes that, whoa, that, I think that was an angel. Brother Garza, I think I got, I must not be spiritual enough. Because he goes, he's, he's talking to this angel. This angel just sets him free from prison. And the early church back then, right, they, they're praying. And Peter's knocking on the door. And a little girl said, oh, I hear someone knocking. And then he goes and tells everybody, he says, it's not Peter. It must be his angel. Now, that's some spiritual people. Because I, I would have thought that it was Brother Guy's angel at my door. I wouldn't think it's Brother Jose's angel showing up. I would think it's them. And he knocked on the door, and Rhoda went and told them, and they, they gave her a hard time. And Pastor spoke in this just the other night. They gave her a hard time, but Peter continued knocking. I want to talk about continuing to knock, just for a little bit. The problem we have today, as Christians... Is we knock twice, and we're done. We go to our prayer closet, we pray about something once, and we walk away. We go up, and we try to be nice to somebody once, and we're done. And we stop knocking. And we wonder why God's not opening the door. We're wondering why things are happening in our life the way they're happening is because we stopped knocking. We, we stopped pursuing the things of God. We just gave up. Oh, no one... Must be home. Well, oh well. And that's what we do in life, real life, right? You go up, knock once or twice, hit the doorbell maybe, and you're out of there. And then if it's anybody like me on the other side, I'm looking at the people. It's a salesman. I ain't talking to them. But, you know, it's funny. Uh, it's not funny. It was a true story. My wife... Um, was just selling some stuff, kids' toys, I think it was. Little, like, animals or something, just kids' stuff to uh, online. And this lady shows up to buy it. And she said, well, you know, I, I, I'm buying all these toys, and I'm putting them in a big box, and I'm sending them back to my home country, which is the Philippines. She's from where pastors preached. So my wife is like, well, if that's what you're doing here, just take a bunch more. And then my wife gets a text about a couple hours later and says, you like citrus? And they just became friends over some figurines. She opened the door. So we've got to, we've, we've got to be able to understand the door theology. So when you're on the outside knocking, don't quit. I, I remember a story happened here in Vacaville on Marshall Street, just about four blocks from my house. This house caught on fire. And, and this lady's driving by, and she told the media she wasn't embarrassed that she was a believer in Jesus. She was driving by, and she felt God speak to her, say, there's somebody in the house. Go to the door and start knocking. And she goes to the door, and she's beating on that door with everything she has. And she's feeling the heat. The house is on fire. The garage is on fire, completely consumed, and it's right here. And God tells her, keep knocking, keep knocking, keep knocking. So she just kept beating on that door, and she just beating on it, beating on it, beating. And finally, a lady opens the door in her bathrobe. She was in the shower. She says, what is wrong? And the lady's like, your house is on fire. If she would have stopped, that lady would be dead today. But it's because she kept knocking. She kept knocking. She didn't give up. And we have to do the same thing with our prayers for our loved ones and our backsliders. We got to keep knocking. We got to keep pushing through. We got to keep going until we see them walk through those doors and know that God has opened up that door. We got to keep knocking. We can't give up because the first two knocks didn't work. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now I want to talk about us being on the other side of the door. I briefly touched on it about how I like to look through the peephole. But in Revelation 3.20, it says, Jesus is saying... It's in red in the Bible, so it must be him. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. This is the one that's challenging for people. Because they'll open the door for a stranger. They'll open the door for relatives they don't even like. But when the Lord starts knocking, they hide. They're the ones that they open the door when you're out there doing outreach, and they're like, "Mm, I don't want none of that. You go, you go talk to somebody else down the street. I used to believe that. I know all about you all. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, you but you ain't been nowhere. Let's go there. Where you been? You get these people talking about how bad life was and how tough. Well, you, I can take you to some people that had some bad life too. Well, I had a gun. I had somebody almost pull a gun on me. Well, what were you doing? Yeah, you were doing something that probably deserved that. I knocked on the door to invite them to church, and they had a gun in their pants. I didn't deserve that. Yeah. But people, people will close the door on God. God will be knocking in their heart. He'll, he'll be knocking into their lives. He'll be trying to speak into their lives, and they're hiding under their covers. How about you? When the Lord starts to knock on your heart, when the Lord starts to want to come into your home, are you willing to open that door? Are you willing to just step back and say, Lord, come on in? And I'll just, I just be up straight up and honest with you, Lord. You, you kind of surprised me. I wasn't ready for you to come. Um, so you're going to probably find some junk you don't like. Just point it out, Lord, and it's in the trash. Not, not the whole... Oh my goodness, it's the Lord. Uh. <laughs> Trying to cover up our stuff. I heard so many stories, and I, I, I think I might have done it when I was a kid. I, I don't remember. We, we, our house situation back home when I was a kid. It was different than what kids have today. But I didn't have a closet to hide my stuff in. And it's too obvious because my dad, he's a Marine. They were, like, real serious about making the bed in the Marines. And my stepmom, she's just whack. She was really into making beds. So it was really obviously when, obvious when I, like, tried to hide my clothes under my bed. There's that hump. I'm like, What's that? And they'd rip the bed open and, hey, you need to put those clean clothes in the drawer. The dirty ones go in the, there and make your bed again. Some of us in living for God, we do the same thing. And since in this new age we live in, it just seems simpler to leave the door closed. And that's why we have weak Christians. Because they don't open the door. When the Lord shows up, and he's there to help. He's there to help, not, not clean the cobwebs. That's our job, to clean the cobwebs. He's just going to bring a little light into the room so we can see a little more clearly. So we've got to open that door when he's knocking. So when we are knocking on that door in our prayers, we keep going. And when we hear the Lord knocking on our door, we don't keep him waiting. Because not only is he knocking, he says, if you hear my voice. How many of us like to hear the voice of the God? Love it. Love it. Unless I'm not doing something right. It's like, you know, when your parents would yell at you, you could tell by the yell something was not good. You know, you know, you're not getting ice cream after this one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just everybody has their own relationship with their God. Some think their God is all peachy keen, never gets upset, never says no. That's not my God. Um, he he talks to me on occasion, and I listen and try to obey. I'll be honest. Trying is a truthful statement. And I, I hope that I'm more successful than I am at a failure. 
failure in that aspect because I really want God to, to be a part of my life. And the longer we leave that door closed, the less he's going to knock. Until he gets to a point, he goes find some other door. And people say, well, that's not true because the Bible, the Bible says once saved, always saved. And it doesn't say that anywhere, anywhere. That is like a super false teaching. Uh, it, it blows my mind that people will believe that when there's no biblical proof or teaching out there that supports it. Um, but the Bible does say that, you know, because the Jewish people uh, decided they didn't want to believe in the vine, that they were cut out and we were grafted in into the true vine. And then it goes on. If you continue to read, it says, hey, don't get so high and mighty. You get a little prideful, I'll cut you off, and I'll graft them back in if they humble themselves. So we can't think that we're saved just because we showed up to church twice a year. We can't think we're high and mighty just because we read the Bible every once in a while. We've got to obey the Word of God. We've got to have a relationship with Jesus. We've got, we got to seek Him daily. We've we got to humble ourselves. We can't allow ourselves to think that we've learned it all or we've sought it all. I think that's where so many people get messed up in their brain when they go to, go to colleges. When they go to a secular school, they'll realize that they're so much smarter than preachers and pastors that they don't need to listen to us anymore. They're so much smarter, Brother Garz, than us. And they may be able to do some fancy things on a calculator. That's cool. You may be able to program stuff and write code. That's awesome. Well, you graduated from Stanford, right? No, God blessed you, right? Yeah. There's some things I know that I didn't go to school to learn, just like y'all did, right? But people get this education, and they'll think that they don't need to listen to that knock anymore. They think they got it. And even some of them will, will call themselves pastors, and, and they will, they'll, they'll teach people how to be blind. And you think that's just not true. When you teach anybody to put their faith in something other than God, you're teaching them to be blind. And there are people out there that are educating people to be like that, to be blind. I remember sitting at a table one time, and I was talking to a minister, and he was very proud of his education. He had a bachelor's degree. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's great. I got probably three or four people in my church that you would have to submit unto if it was based on degrees, because we have people in here with masters. So if it's based on education, you got to go back to the back of the line, because your bachelor's degree doesn't cut mustard when you look at somebody with a master's, or you look at somebody with a doctorate, right? So the degree did not make the anointing, right? It's God who anoints his people, regardless of position or title, to do a work for him. I don't know why I got stuck on that, because I'm just concerned that this education system is failing us so greatly that people are going to start believing this education system and start taking their eyes off of Jesus. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen locally where people start going to college and you're like, what in the world? Where did you learn that? The rain does not come from the ground up. Cows aren't purple. And you don't get chocolate milk from... Black house. You don't do it. That ain't, that, ain't, that ain't factual. They believe that, though. Young people, hear me. Don't just think I'm old. I'm not that old. I'm young. I'm young. If it is contrary to the word of God, question it. Don't flat out say they're wrong. Question them. Get them to explain why they think they're right. Because guarantee you, most things they cannot explain. The first thing they do when you question them is they'll automatically attack you of being a hater. Whether they say you're a right, white supremacist, and now it doesn't matter what color skin you are, you can be a white supremacist. I, I don't understand it. That new, uh, the congressman from Florida has been labeled, a, uh, he's a, a black gentleman, he's got very, very logical thought process, and they're, they're, the Democrats are calling him a white supremacist. And he's like, how does that work? You, you, explain how that works. They can't. When you ask them to explain their methodology, they attack, and they accuse you of being something you're not. If, young people, you get attacked for questioning, you know their answer is not truthful. 
You never have to defend truth by attacking it. Truth can stand on its own. I think I'm done with that soapbox. I don't know where it came from, but God just put that on me heavy. And young people have got to listen to the Word of God. Listen to the Word of God. Ask. Asking is very important in living for God. It is okay to ask the Lord questions. Ask, and ye shall receive. And the Bible talks about how a good father knows how to give good gifts unto his kids, right? But we got to make sure, as James says, we don't ask amiss. Because he still has those good gifts for us. The Lord still has the good gifts, but we just got to make sure we're asking for the good gifts, not the bad gifts. Not the gifts that are going to bring harm to us. And it is amazing, it is amazing how God knows the future. It's like he created it or something. It's amazing that he knows what's going to happen to me 10 years from now if he tarries. And how do I know that? Because I've had some very anointed wise people say, if you don't change your thought process, you're going to end up here. And a few years down the road, Brother Garza, guess what? I ended up right there. It's like, how did God know that? That's pretty smart. He knows where you're going to end up. So it's important that you follow his direction. Because if we don't follow the direction, we're going to find ourselves in a place he did not want us to go. So we don't want to ask amiss. The Bible says in Acts 2.37, here's a question you can ask God. Now, when they heard this, this is an upper room experience, and they they were questioning Peter, and Peter uh, preached to him a little bit. Because these people were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brother, what shall we do? Lord, we're in a situation here. What shall we do? I have my ideas. I like a little bit bigger building. Less maintenance. More bathrooms. More Sunday school rooms. I know what I would like. But Lord, what shall we do? Do we stay put? Or do we pack up our tents and march? Those are the questions as children of God that we need to ask. Because when we want to move when God tells us to move, and we want to stop and stay put when he tells us to stop and stay put. It was so easy Children of Israel, just a bunch of crybabies, but it was really easy for them to know when to stop. Okay, we stop. Oh, it's moving. Okay, stop. Now we actually have to talk to Jesus. And Sister Cindy, we got to listen. So when we ask and we receive, we need to listen. So what shall we do? James chapter 1, verse 5 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. I always chuckle at this scripture. Because he starts off, count it all joy. It's like, are we having a birthday party? <laughs> are we having a, what, are we, what are we do? I'm all excited. I'm all happy. What, what's going on? What's the joy for? And when you fall into diverse temptations. <laughs> It's always interesting you lead off this conversation like that. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. This is where it really comes down to the nitty-gritty here. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Now, it says here, he gives wisdom to all men. There's a lot of smart people out there that give God no credit. But their wisdom came from God. Their ability to make money was given them from God. Because he is the one that gives us the ability to make increase. 
we can ask him for wisdom, and he'll give it to us. Solomon, King Solomon, he, he was wise. And, and he, he was wise. Sister Jamie, he made some really whack decisions. So I think sometimes being too smart is not good. <laughs> Whew. God said, man shall leave mother and father to marry his wife. Uno, one, Solomon left, left mother and father to marry his wives. But he was wise. What made him wise is that he prayed, not for money, not for riches, not for fame, but for wisdom. And God gave it to him, and because he prayed the right prayer, he gave Solomon all the other things that he could ask for. Become the richest king, having the greatest domain, having the respect and fame of, of the queen of Sheba. Ask wisely. Don't ask amiss when you're praying for wisdom. When you, when you start praying for direction, Lord, give me direction in this situation, and then let him give you direction. Don't, don't do like I did when I was in New Jersey as an airman. I was going there to go to hazmat school to be able to be a certified hazmat technician to be able to ship hazardous material across the, around the world. And uh, two faults of mine is, one, I'm, I'm a guy, and I don't ask for directions. Um, second of all, I didn't follow the directions I had. And I couldn't figure out, they have bridges everywhere in New Jersey. If you ever been there, they're just bridges everywhere. And, and I went across this bridge, Sister Jamie, because I thought that's the way I was supposed to go. And I made a right, and I drove down the freeway a little bit, and then I made another right and went across another bridge. And you pay for those bridges. And I'm an airman. I make like 10 bucks a day. And I, I got to my third bridge, and I found myself in a place I had no idea where I was at. My gas tank was getting low, and I humbled myself and asked for directions. A 45-minute trip, I was at the three-hour mark. I didn't have wisdom then. And I stopped and asked directions, and I asked the guy, I was like, I'm trying to get to this place. And he laughed at me. He says, yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> you ain't from around here, are you? It's like, no, I'm not. Where I'm from, the roads are nice and straight. It's all in a box, so you can just really get to where you want to go real easy, not this, this stuff with a river in the middle. We don't even have a mountain, so I can see for like 100 miles. So, And... uh. He says, well, if you just go out to the stop sign and go four blocks down, you're there. You see, if I would have just humbled myself and asked first time, I would have been there a lot sooner. And there's a lot of us in life and living for God where we, we find ourselves, why are we here just seeming to be lost? And it's because we didn't ask when we should have. We thought we were going to get there by ourselves. We thought we could figure it out by ourselves. Ask for wisdom, and God will give it to you liberally. He'll give it to you liberally. And I'm not the wisest person, so I pray for wisdom. And God has blessed me and helped me with that. I'm not trying to tell anybody I'm the wisest because I'm not. But I'm telling you, if you pray for wisdom, God will give you wisdom. If you don't ask amiss, your intentions have got to be right. There's a lot of people that have wisdom out there that have wrong intentions. If you're a child of God, you don't want to ask amiss because we don't pursue those paths. We pursue that path. So let's talk about seeking real quick. Let's see. All right, I got another hour to go. Seek. That's kind of an easy one. Um, Matthew 6.33, it's an easy one. We all know it. We all should have that memorized after last year. But Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. A lot of times when, when you feel your life is going uh, all haywire, you just go right back to that scripture. That's the first scripture you should go back to. Why? Because it reminds you what you're supposed to be looking at. What are you seeking? When you are seeking selfish gain, 
your life is going to spiral out of control because you're not focused on the right things. You're pursuing a corporate ladder or a business ladder or, or, or friends or whatever, and you're not seeking the things of God. And, and when, when you get to a certain point in life after climbing that ladder, you're going to fi- start finding that there's rungs that are missing in that ladder, and it gets a little bit harder to climb it. And then you're going to realize as you look around, you're going to see people below you that are hot on your tail to do exactly what you did to them to get to where you're at. There's a lot of people in this world running around with footprints on their head because they got stepped on by somebody. So we need to make sure that we go back to seeking Jesus first. Seek his kingdom. What is, what is, what is it you want me to do? I need to seek your righteousness, not the righteousness of man. And if we, can find, if we find ourselves in a situation where we're not lined up with the word of God, we just got to go back to his kingdom first. And what does his word say? It's very important, and it seems like it's a very simple concept, but as man, flesh, we complicate everything. Because we always try to, try to pick apart what is God's kingdom. And we choose what part of his kingdom we want to seek first. And a lot of times, it's the easy stuff. Like, I'll show up to church. I'll clap my hands. I'll sing and jump or... Get my little groove on you. Those are the easy things. And we think that that's seeking his kingdom. And we forget all the rest of his word. And we don't seek that. And we wonder why we find ourselves in a wreck. And our life is all out of balance. And you're like, well, I'm coming to church. I could have went somebody else. I could have went someplace else, Lord. I could be at the game right now. And just for you, all you athletic worshipers, Careful who you idolize. They're all turning. They sit there and came out when they first got into sports saying, oh, I'm a Christian, I love God, and they're supporting the things God hates. Careful who you look up to. That's just a side note. There's a lot of professional athletes I have no respect for anymore. Is what they stand for. The children of God should have a backbone to be able to stand up for truth. And I'm, I'm an... I'm an extremist in some aspects uh, when it comes to that, and, I, and I, uh, I'm going to say it's not a, a, a slap at anybody. It's just me and how I felt. But several years ago, Target came out with their whole bathroom thing where they're letting anybody, no matter what your gender is, go to any bathroom you want and do whatever you want. And Target's response and attitude towards that was, in my viewpoint, the words coming out of their mouth, demonic. Because if anybody would allow that, that is antichrist. I have not been to a Target store since that day. I'm not saying you have to have that same conviction. But I don't want to support someone that hates my kids. I don't want to support something that hates my God. Now you're like, well, these people don't do it, or these people... It's the attitude. I understand business. I understand the whole business is trying to stay in business, but the attitude behind it was wrong. You don't attack people. You want to do your thing, do your thing. Don't attack people. Because when that attitude comes out, I lose all respect for you. And I haven't been to Target since. Not saying you guys have to stop shopping at Target. You don't have to do that. I'm just saying for me, I have that conviction. And, uh, but again, you guys don't have to have that conviction. It's mine. You don't have to change your shopping habits. It's just mine, all right? I don't want you to, I don't want anybody to say, well, I can't do it because Brother Chase says I can't. No, 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 no. Get your own convictions. Get your own convictions and live by them. I think it's important that in ministry that convictions are taught because we're losing that. And there's a lot of people that are in church that are only doing what they're doing because the pastor says so and they don't have a conviction according to the word of God. And, and my concern is, 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 it's great as long as you have a good pastor but when the pastor changes, what are your convictions going to do if you don't have any? We've got to get into the Word of God and develop our own convictions. I, I remember when I got in church, Sister Guy, you were there. You, you know I needed some work. Um, but I remember one day I was in my little townhouse, and uh, I, I was just going to take out the trash like I did a thousand times before, Brother Nichols. I was in my shorts and T-shirt. Again, I'm not preaching my convictions on anybody, but I was just fresh out of the world. And I opened up that door and took a step out, and I jumped back in and slammed the door. And I was like, what was I thinking? How could I go outside naked? I had shorts and a T-shirt on. People think I'm weird. 
but God put that in me. Man didn't tell me I couldn't do stuff, but God put that in me. And so from then on, I, I don't do that. Now, I'll put an exclaimer on there. If you are in a swimming pool, don't wear a three-piece suit. Don't wear your Sunday best if you're swimming. Dress modestly, right? You can go swimming. Go to the ocean. Just dress modestly. Be, be wise. I'm not, I'm not your pastor, so whatever pastor says is what we go by. Just be wise. But we need to seek his kingdom first. And when we find ourselves getting sideways with what other pastors preach or whatever I preach or minister preaches, we need to really go back to his kingdom first. We need to get in the word of God. Am I getting crossways because the preacher's not preaching truth, or am I getting crossways because I'm not living truth? And we really got to dig down into it and see which one is wrong. And then if we're wrong, we need to humble ourselves and fix it by repenting and getting ourselves aligned with the word of God. Seek him first. You know, I have to do it many times. I'm I'm not perfect, and I'll never convince anybody I'm perfect. And if you ever hear me say the words, you know that I'm not being honest. But there are times in my life where I have to sit uh, Brother Vinny, and I had to sit down and I said, Lord, I, 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 need to, I, need to, I need to get you first again. I got distracted. I allowed things of this world to tweak my mind and get me upset about things I should not be getting upset with. Uh, you got me, fo- I, I've been focusing on things that sh- I don't need to focus on, Brother Garza, and I need to get back to seeking you first. We just got to be humble enough. We got to be honest with ourselves when we get ourselves off track. John 16, 13 says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. That is so important that we get into the spirit. We need to be in the spirit of truth because he will guide us. He will guide us unto all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he, he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. We need the spirit of God. We need to seek him. That is not a, a, a one-stop shop the day you get the Holy Ghost. You don't speak in tongues the day you got the Holy Ghost and you think, I'm done. You got to seek the Spirit of God daily. You need to get into the Word of God and you need to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, touch my mind, touch my heart, touch my body, touch my tongue again, Lord Jesus, to speak your truth and allow the Spirit to guide, the Spirit to guide and lead you into all truth. If you will allow, honestly, if you will allow the, the, the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you into all truth, you will get uncomfortable. If you don't get uncomfortable, you're not following the right spirit. Follow the spirit of truth. So why? Why I started this out uh, beginning. What are we asking for? What are we seeking? What, what door are we knocking on? Why are we doing it? What are we looking for? What should we be looking for as Christians? What should we be looking as seekers um, that are seeking uh, a more intimate relationship with God? What what should we be looking for? Now, if you're brand new, you're listening online, and this is the first time you've heard me teach or preach or, or an apostolic message, I, I can't go any further beyond this to get a little bit apostolic on me. But the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the will of God, the purpose of God in your life, if you are a new believer, is repentance. That is the will of God for each and every one of our lives, is to find a place of repentance in our lives, to get us aligned with God, to get us back to seeking him first. We've got to do that. Also, if we are wondering, what is the steps? What do I need to do to obey God's word? What, am I, what is my next step if I have just repented? Well, Peter says in Acts 2.38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all of them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So if you're brand new, those are the steps. You get into the Word of God and say, Okay, Lord, I got that. I, I, I repented. I've been baptized in Jesus' name. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, so nobody can tell me I didn't get it. I heard myself. Whether I liked it or not, I heard myself. That's why when I pray for people, I don't ever tell them they got the Holy Ghost. They need to know they got the Holy Ghost. Did you hear yourself speaking tongues? No? Then we got to keep praying. Did you hear yourself speaking tongues? Yes. That's the Holy Ghost. 
you hear yourself speaking a language that someone taught you? Yeah, I went to school for eight years in Spanish. That's not the Holy Ghost. Be honest. Be, don't, don't fool people. Don't lie to people just to rack up a number. I'd rather have one honest person get the Holy Ghost and say 20 people did, they're all lost. We, we got to be honest with people when we pray people through, when we're praying for people, when we're, we're teaching them the Word of God. Be honest with them. Don't sugarcoat it. I've heard too many people sugarcoat it, and then when reality sets in, people go walk away. And we don't want people to walk away. We want people to know that, yeah, living for God is the best life, but there's going to be some bumps. When you go into all truth, there's going to be some bumps. That's where your love for God is solidified. Your love for someone is not dictated on the good times. It's when times get tough and attitudes flare up, frustrations come in, and you decide, you know what? I'm going to stick it through. I'm not leaving. I don't, I don't care what the world says. I don't say what care my coworkers say. I'm sticking it out. I'm not, I'm not turning around. I'm going to stick it out. And you can apply that to your marriage, to your family, and to living for God. Remember when I was getting ready to get married? I had this guy. It's amazing how people that don't talk to you want to give you, like, advice when they find out something about you. And this guy, he's, he was different. Yeah, bless his heart, he was different. And he came up to me one day when he found out that I was engaged. He said, I hear you're getting married. I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm excited about it. He's like, come here. We need to have a talk. Okay, oh, wise one. And he takes me into the other room, and he says, sit down. Sit down, young man. Don't waste your time getting married. And you learn that phrase after how many wives? Yeah. And the person you're with now is not your wife? I think there's a story in the Bible about something like that. Another person gave me the advice his dad gave him. It's like, oh, wow, that's amazing advice. I'm not going to repeat it because, uh, Getting married is not like test driving a new car or an old car. And uh, he gave me some advice. And after he gave me the advice, I was like, well, that's uh, it's interesting. Did you, did you listen to that advice? I said, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's amazing. And uh, you've been married how many times? Three. No, no, no. I'm talking about the person you're with now. Are you married to him? Oh, no. And your dad is on his eighth wife. Ah, some good advice. Young people, you're going to find people that are going to freely give you information that you don't need. They're going to, they're going to come up to you saying they're, they're the wisest person out there. They're, the YouTube's full of them now. Since the pandemic, YouTube's blown up with all these people that are just prophetic. Ooh, I think the sun will come out tomorrow. Whoa. Wow, that's amazing. And they're leading people astray. Right? They're, they're, they're uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. So don't, don't, don't listen to that junk on YouTube, young people. YouTube is not full of good things all the time. Make sure that you, you have your calling election sure. Make sure. It's always better to seek advice from your parents when you're living for God, and they're living for God, and, and, and people in the church. Typically not your peers in the church. You never want to go to somebody that's had the same knowledge, wisdom, level, education as yourself. You always want to go up the next step or two to gain that wisdom. Just free advice there. So if you've been living for God for any length of time, I'm trying to wrap this up, but God just keeps on putting these nuggets in me that he tells me to share. If you've been living for God for a long time, what are you asking for? What are you seeking? What door are you knocking? And I think this is the group of people I'm talking to tonight. Because even as adults, mature, semi-mature Christians, we can get distracted. And in our prayers, we can start praying for things, Sister Cynthia, that probably is not the direction of God. And we will think we're good, because one, we think we're praying, and we're talking to the Lord, but we're asking to miss, because we're asking after our lusts, even as mature Christians.
So we have to get into the Word of God and, and find out what does the Word of God say that we, we are supposed to ask for? What are we supposed to seek? And what are we supposed to be knocking on? Have you ever, have you ever went to those stores? It's so embarrassing. I've done it so many times. But you walk up to the door, and it says, push, and you try to pull. Or it says, pull, and you try to push. Those are the ones you, that are the worst. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got to, I got to. I'm a, I'm a, what in the world? I've, I've done that. I don't glass doors. Whew. Or, or the other one I've caught myself doing. I walk up to a door, and I grab it, and I'm like, mm, it won't open. I'm like, Ugh. they're open. I see people in the store. And they're looking at me like, and then you see somebody's like, I'm like, they're like, oh, use the other door. Thank you. To be honest, I didn't go in that store. I just walked away. After that point, I didn't want to shop there. I'm human. I'm human. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are according to his purpose. When you ask, seek, and knock, should align with his purpose. Not our purpose, not our desires. Brother Jose, there's, there's things in this world that we want as human beings. I've been praying for since I was 40. I know that it is 40 because I, I, I missed it. Um, I felt God was going to call me to full-time ministry when I hit 40. I think I shared this with you, Brother Guy. I was devastated when I turned 41 and I wasn't full-time ministry. And, uh, but I, I just felt it. I just felt it. And, I, and, and here I am. I'm still working a secular job and consider myself part-time ministry. Um, and even though I do this full-time and I'm 24-7 when you all need me, uh, but I really felt that I, I figured we'd have multiple preaching points by now, Brother Garza. I really did. Yeah. But I go back to his purpose. What is his purpose? What is his will? Romans 12, 2 says, and to be not conformed to this world. Does anybody know what 12, 1 says? I beseech you. Y'all can read it out loud. Isn't that really awkward when you're asked to read something out loud in a public setting and you've got all these different people off time and off? You know, it's like I want to get Sister Jamie up here and it's like, give any in the drums and give us a beat. Come on, man, give us a beat. Get this down. And then it jumps into two. And it says, be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove that is, and, 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 will of God. Ask, seek, and knock to find his perfect will in your life. That is what we as children of God need to be at this stage of our life, is asking and seeking and knocking to find his perfect will in our lives. And that perfect will may not be the same for you as it is for me. We need to find that perfect will. Because if we don't find that perfect will, Sister Tammy, we're going to be a little uncomfortable. We're going to feel like we're missing something. We're, we're, there's going to just be that, that part of us like, man, I, I, you know, I, I, I feel like I need to be doing something that I just can't put my finger on. And, and we'll be... We'll, have you, have you ever heard that? I can't remember how that saying goes, but you're so busy you don't get nothing done type of thing. And I feel that way at work so many times. They got so much stuff loaded on my plate. I know you, you felt that way. So much stuff is on my plate that I don't feel like I get anything accomplished. And sometimes we busy ourselves so much thinking we're in the will of God or trying to find the will of God that we're not just stopping and listening to what God's telling us his will is for us. But that is where we need to. Young people, that's where you need to get to in your walk with God. You need to be asking 
You need to be seeking and you be knocking on them doors that are going to reveal to you the will of God in your life. Because if you don't, you're going to be just wandering. You're going to be just trying out things. You're just going to be just doing things to find something to fill that void. And that void in that body, in our hearts, in our lives is the will of God. The perfect will of God in our lives. And that can be anything that God wants to do in your life. I'm not going to tell you what the perfect will of God is. God's going to tell you that. And it may not be the one thing you want it to be. It may not be, you know, the richest person in the world. And it may not be this or that. It, God's will may not be that. God's will may, we, may be that we have to suffer a few things. No one wants to hear that will. No one wants to know about the hardships we're going to go through. And, and a lot of times God shows us things like that, Sister Jamie, that he's going to take us through some mess, and we just don't want to deal with it. And when people see the mess, they're like, make that decision where I'm just going to pull it back. I don't want to deal with the mess, so I, I, I'm not going to worry about the perfect will right now because I know that if, if God's a loving God, he'd never make me go through that. Where in the Bible does it say that? Why don't people like me? Because God said so. He said, you're going to be hated by, by all men for my name's sake. Why am I going to go through hardships? Because God said so. He says in his word, if you're going to be my children, you're going to go through sufferings. He tells us in advance. But in advance, we should still seek and ask for his will in our lives. Let's stand. I want us to come around the front, and I want us to do some soul searching. I don't feel that we need to spend hours tonight praying and repenting for, for sins that we may or may not have done. We don't have, to, don't have to open up the dirty closets and see all of our mess. But what I want is us to really dig down and say, Lord, what is your will for my life? What do you want for me in my life? Because I don't, I don't want to miss it. I, I don't want to miss out on what you've called me to do. I don't want to miss out on what you've put me here for. I believe everyone in here is here for a reason. I believe everyone in here has got a purpose in their life from God. And we've got to find his perfect purpose and his perfect will in order to obey him and fulfill his desires in us. How do we get there? We've got to ask for his perfect will to be revealed to us. We got to seek it out through his word and through prayer. And we just got to keep knocking until the Lord shows us. Don't stop knocking. Don't give up. When you pray tonight and ask the Lord, what is your will for me? If he doesn't tell you tonight, don't stop asking. Don't stop knocking on that door saying, Lord, I'm going to annoy you. You're going to get tired and I may have to switch hands. But I'm going to keep knocking until I know what your perfect will is in my life. Lord, I want to be here to understand and know, Lord, what that perfect and acceptable will is in my life. Lord, I'm not going to stop asking. I'm not going to stop seeking you, Lord. I'm not going to stop knocking, Lord, until I know, until I understand, Lord Jesus, I've got to hear your voice. I've got to know, Lord Jesus, what your will is in my life, Lord. I need to know. Lord, I don't want to drift. I don't want to wander, Lord Jesus. I've got to know your will. Lord, show me in your word, Lord Jesus, where you're leading me. Show me, Lord Jesus, in your truth where I'm going, Lord Jesus, because i got to be in your will. I won't be happy at any place else but your will, Lord Jesus. Show me your will for my life. Ask him. Seek him. Knock on that door until you get your answer. Jesus, we want to find you tonight. We want to find you, Lord Jesus, in that secret place. Lord Jesus, your will be done tonight, Lord Jesus. Your will be done tonight, Lord. Lord, as we seek you first, Lord, we push, Lord Jesus, the distractions away. As we seek your kingdom first, Lord Jesus, and push unrighteousness away. As we seek you first, Lord Jesus, and put our selfish ambitions out of the way, Lord Jesus, show us your will, Lord Jesus. Show us tonight your perfect will in our lives. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook, 
or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.